Seeking for the help of the Lord, I direct your prayerful attention to the first book of Chronicles and chapter 18. 1 Chronicles chapter 18. And we read for our text the last part of verse 13. Where we read, Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. 1 Chronicles chapter 18 and the last part of verse 13. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. In this chapter we have a list of those countries that were surrounding Israel that David and his men fought with. They subdued the Philistines, that is mentioned there in the first verse, they made the Moabites to pay tribute to them, to pay money for the support of Israel. They smote Hadarezer and the Syrians. They also put garrisons in Edom and they became his servants. And Amalek as well paid tribute to David and to Israel. David didn't travel, you might say, very far, but is mentioned here wherever he went. And yet the places where he went, in each place there was warfare, there was battle, there was conflict. And really there couldn't have been a more dangerous situation that he was called to go into, to go into battle and to fight in battle. And yet we have in the inspired, infallible word, just this line, this sentence at the end of all of this naming of the places that he went and the victories that he obtained, the people that he subdued, that thus, or in this way, the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. What an emphasis there is in this, whatever the means were used, it was the Lord that preserved David. And we need to really remember this, that the Lord is our preserver as well as David's, and to be able to look above the means and to see the Lord's hand and the Lord's protection. Born to then look at four points this morning. We'll mention them as we come to them. And the first is this, a sovereign protector of God's people, the Lord. Thus the Lord, Jehovah, preserved David whithersoever he went. Naturally speaking, if we were to see someone and they came to our help, and certainly in David's life, we may look at this a little later, there were those that were the means of helping him. We'd have no difficulty in saying that we are helped by this person or that person. 
But when God uses means and when God is invisible and in heaven, then it needs faith to believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him and that he is the protector and keeper of his people. And sometimes we need to lift our eyes like Peter needed to, above the waves and the billows, above that which was threatening to swamp him and destroy him, to the Lord. And how he cried to the Lord as he came to the Lord walking on the water, Lord, save me. And the Lord put forth his hand and saved him. But we are to remember that the Lord is in heaven. He does care for his people. He is the good shepherd, the good shepherd that careth for his sheep and his sheep are perfectly safe in his hand. The Lord says that that they are in his hand and no man shall take them out of his hand and that they are in his father's hand and no man shall take them out of his Father's hand. The security and care of God's people is an essential part of their salvation. If we rightly believe in what the Lord has done at Calvary, that he has come, sent his beloved Son, and Lord Jesus Christ has come and suffered, bled and died and redeemed his people, sinful as they were, deserving as eternal death as they were, but plucked them as brands from the burning, paid the debt owed to them, and then in their life called them and quickened them, brought them out of nature's darkness into his marvellous light, and to prepare them to be with him forever. How vital it is that right from the time that they are brought into this world, that his protecting care and keeping is over them and that it is his power. Nothing is left to chance. Nothing is left in a man's hand, but he is in complete control. While they are in the womb, we read of that with David, how he is able to trace that while he is being formed in the womb, that the Lord knew him there and protected him there. And we think of how John Baptist, he leapt in the womb as he heard the salutation of Mary, the mother of the Lord that came to Elizabeth. And that protection is a vital part of the salvation of God. We might be able to rehearse many doctrines and truths of salvation and the expectation of heaven and all that the Lord has done for his people, but if we were to pluck out of that the Lord's care and the Lord's protection and the Lord's ability to overrule men in all their designs, to overrule Satan, to overrule even our own hearts, then all would fall to the ground, all would be useless if it could be said that this does not come into the jurisdiction of the Lord. And not only are we saying here uh, the Lord protector of his people, but over those that are not. If he were to say, well, God has power over his people, those whom he has redeemed, 
but he doesn't have power over others, then how can the Lord be the protector of his people if others can just do what they like with no regard to the Lord at all? Have in the scriptures not only the Lord speaking through his prophets concerning Israel, but the prophets speak concerning the nations that are round about Israel. And when the Lord used Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon to punish and to chasten Israel, his people, then he also said that he would punish them later on, which he did through the Medes and the Persians. And right through the scriptures, we have that not only is God over his people, he's over his people in a very special way, but he has also power over all nations. Who is he that saith and it cometh to pass when the Lord commandeth it not? And so when we read, Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went, we are to lift up our thoughts to our eternal God, the God that made heaven and the earth, and made it just with a word of his power, and who sustains all things, and by whom, in whom we live and move and have our being, and that his power, his hand is not shortened, that he cannot save, his hand is not shortened, that any earthly king or a people can go contrary to that word and to his power. It is the Lord that preserves his people. He is the shepherd of Israel. He is their redeemer. He is the captain of their salvation. He is their elder brother born for adversity. He is the head of the church of God. He is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and of truth. How often we need to, in these things, go right to Calvary and, and see the wonderful preservation and the overruling hand of God in our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter, he sums it up at Pentecost, Ye who, uh, uh, God who uh, delivered him up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands crucified and slain. On one hand you get the deeds, the wickedness, the men, all that was seen and really summarised by the two on the way to Emmaus, what had happened at Jerusalem. And yet our Lord comes and he draws near to them and he tells them that these things were all in the plan and purpose of God. And Peter is able to do this as well, charging the wickedness upon men, but the overruling power and keeping and blessing to be in the hand of God. And we then are to look to that same God and to that same protector. Our Lord said in the Garden of Gethsemane that could, thinkest thou not that I could pray my Father and he presently give me twelve legion of angels. But how then should the scriptures 
be fulfilled. The Lord then is that sovereign protector. He doesn't consult with man what he is to do, how he is to do it. He sovereignly preserves his people. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. With heaven and earth at his command, he waits to answer prayer and he works according to his will. Well then secondly, what is preserved for God's people? If we read here, thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went, what is preserved? He preserved David, David, a man after God's own heart, one of God's children. But David, like you and I, had a body and a soul. And if the Lord is going to preserve his people, then he will preserve them not just half, but both, body and soul. We must always remember that. Now the Lord said, Fear not them which kill the body, and after that there is nothing more that they can do, but fear him who hath power after he hath killed to cast both body and soul into hell. Yea, fear him. And if we know the worth and value of a soul, we know that it is much more worth a great thing that our soul be preserved. And yet we really we cannot separate the two. In the context here is very clear that what is meant is that David was not slain, he was not killed in battle, the Lord preserved him and watched over him in every place that he went. So we are to think then, what is preserved, body and soul? But then we would realise that for every one of us, there must come a time, a time of death. A time when we might say we are not preserved. I remember hearing a account once and a person was relating what had happened in their lives and that they'd been preserved and they were one of the Lord's people they had a good hope a hope beyond the grave the person they were relating it to said preserved from what? and it's a good thought isn't it? because when death comes God's children immediately with the Lord they're in heaven out of reach of every adversary They're in the inheritance that was given them and they are forever with the Lord, forever blessed and ever ever favoured. And so in one sense, preserved to stay here below is kept from entering into glory. But the Lord has made it so that while we are here below, he's given, and sadly as there is some, it's, it, it, it's, it's taken away from, but the desire of self-preservation, the desire that in everything we might be kept alive, that we be remain here. But we know that there will come a time that however much the Lord has preserved and kept us through life, 
There shall come a time when we shall die and this body shall die. With Josiah, he was so uh, blessed and humbled himself before God and in finding the book of the Lord in the temple and God said that he would visit Israel for their sins but he would not see that. He would be gathered unto his fathers in peace. And yet Josiah, he died in battle. And you might say, well, how, how is that to be gathered in peace? He died in battle. But he did not live to see all the Lord's judgment and all that came upon Israel because of their sin. And we should remember that. You think of John the Baptist, so greatly used and blessed, and yet he died at the request of a wicked woman and immediately, you may say, into glory, but through being beheaded. There will come a time, however much, whether it is through illness, we read of Elisha, he fell sick of the sickness whereof he died. God shows that he should die through sickness, and yet he was the means of healing others of their sicknesses. And so with even our Lord, there was those times that they sought to take him and to throw him down from the brow of a hill, but he went through the midst of them. They could not touch him. His hour was not yet come. But when it came to that hour, when it came to the time he said, this is your hour and the hour of darkness, then it was given to men, it was given to the Jews and the Romans that they should take him and kill him and crucify him, that he should rise at the last day. And we are to remember that. However much the Lord preserves us through our lives, there will come a time that the Lord will say that this is the time that we are to be taken from this time state and into glory. And he has chosen the means and way that that should be the case. And even though we know that, yes, yet we should clearly rest in the Lord's preserving care and keeping, committing ourselves unto him, not all the time thinking, well, maybe, maybe it shall be today or tomorrow that we will be taken. And it takes away the, 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 the comfort, the security of the Lord's care. Now it should be the uh, knowledge of us day by day that our care should be cast upon the Lord, his preserving to be trusted in body and in soul, and yet knowing at the same time that God sovereignly will ordain that time that he will take us from this time stain. That beautiful hymn, hymn, uh, 64 in, in, in our hymn books and uh, plagues and deaths around me fly till he bids I cannot die not a single shaft can hit till the God of love sees fit and uh, the appointment of he that formed me in the womb he shall guide me to the tomb all my time shall ever be ordered by his wise decree. Beautiful hymn, parents' native place and time. 
all appointed were by him. So with David, David preserved and kept. There's really two sides of it. It's preserved from and it is preserved to. In the context here, David was preserved from men, the men that he was fighting against, the men that came against him, their sword, their spear. The Lord preserved him from them. And we need to be preserved in the same way from men. The fear of man, it bringeth a snare. But when we know that the Lord is able to deliver us from man, whose breath is in his nostrils. What is man? What is man? And then there is self. We need to be preserved from self, from doing ourselves harm. Sadly, there are those that have no hope here, no hope beyond the grave, and they take their own life. It's not another's hand, it's their own hand that is used. We need to be preserved from that, from harming ourselves. We think of David's fall as well in a natural and spiritual way, falling into sin at a time when he didn't go to battle, when he stayed at home. That one time that is marked out in David's godly life as when he was left to fall and the marks of it then felt right through his life, but we need to be kept from ourselves, from our sin, from that springing out and working out. How many of us feel ourselves to be our worst enemy, one that we need to be preserved from, because wherever we go, we will bring our own self. We won't be able to escape from ourselves. Then it's the world, the spirit of the world, that life in sin and wickedness that we are in, we are part of. Yet the Lord has said, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God, and all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the desire of the uh, eye, and the pride of life, that is not of the Lord, not of God, but is of this world, and answers to exactly that of which Eve, our first parent, fell by in seeing those things that were uh, pleasing to the eye and the lust of the flesh and to be desired and the pride in the heart to think that she was above God and would make a better decision to take sides with Satan than to believe in God. Do we need to be preserved from the world and the spirit of it, preserved from Satan, who goeth about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, from all his wiles and all his traps and all his snares for the people of God. There's many things we need to be preserved from, preserved from error, spiritual error, doctrinal error, influence that turns us away from the word of God, away from the people of God, away from the truth as it is in Jesus. What it is that God's people are preserved, what they are preserved from, 
but they are preserved too. Preserved body and soul to heaven. That the Lord will redeem them and bring them at last to be with him. Father, I will that they whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And we remember those two signs in the preservation of the Lord, preserved from and preserved to, preserved to glory. And this is the Lord's doing. The third thing I notice is the Lord's preservation is not limited to one place. Now, our text says the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. Now certainly in a natural point of view, there are some places that we might be more safe than others. And if we are especially under the protection of a man or a king, then while we are in his domain, then we have his protection. If we go out of that domain, then we would not have that protection. In a natural way, uh, it is limited to uh, jurisdiction or to where we are. But it's a wonderful realisation that the Lord's dominion, Lord's domain, is throughout all of the earth. And this is what uh, David, when he uh, wrote Psalm 139, uh, realized he says that even if I ascend up into heaven he says whither shall I go from thy spirit or whither shall I flee from thy presence if I ascend up into heaven thou art there if I make my bed in hell behold thou art there if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me and he has a very clear view that wherever he went, that the Lord would be seeing him, he'd know him, his hand would hold him, and he would preserve him. And this is uh, stated in our text. Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And what a picture we have in the word of God's children. With Abraham, the Lord called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees and he brought him into Canaan. And then in his sojourns up and down Canaan into Egypt and then out of Egypt and in the time of famine, uh, the Lord watched over Abraham. Isaac likewise, when there was famine in Canaan, he went down to the Philistines. The Lord watched over him there with dear Jacob. Jacob, he fled from his brother Esau and he left his home. He went to Syria, to Laban, uh, his uncle. And then after 20 or so years there, then he, he leaves with his family. They go to Shechem. At Shechem, his son Simeon and Levi kill all the inhabitants there. Jacob, he says that they had made his name to stink. He goes away from there and the Lord's hand was on the nations. They didn't pursue after Jacob. But he goes then to Canaan and then later on, of course, after Joseph's gone before, 
he goes into Egypt. They were, as it were, a nomadic people. And one reason for that is because the Lord had said regarding Canaan that though they were in it, yet that land was given them by promise. And until they came out as a nation from Egypt to Canaan, the Lord would not give them a foot in it at all. And we have to remember here below that we also are pilgrims. We may call our houses by our names, we may say that we dwell in one place or another, but the place that knows us now shall one day know us no more forever. The Lord has said, this is not your rest, it is polluted. And wherever we go in the world, that will be the case. And we can go back, the time I went to uh, visit again where we first lived over in Australia, and saw the house just as rubble. They just reduced it to rubble to build something else on the spot. And we can visit places where we've lived for many, many years. And others have it, and they do what they like with it. They may pull it down, but we are not known there at all. It doesn't know us there at all. And God's children are reminded that this is not their rest. And however much they might stay for a a seasonal time in one place that at last the Lord will bring them to heaven. And yet as we move around here below to prove like those saints of old did, Joseph did, Naomi did, Daniel did, brought from uh, Israel to Babylon and all that he had there, when we think of Paul and uh, the missionary journeys and the countries that he went to, the places that he went, we go back to Moses and the time that he had in Pharaoh's household and then the time in the backside of the desert with Jethro, 40 years each time, and then to lead the children of Israel 40 years uh, through the desert. The people of God had the Lord's protection in every place that they went. It was not limited to one place. And that is a good thing for us to remember as, as well. And wherever we go, the Lord's people are what is precious to him. It is, is the people, you might say, not the place, or not where they go. He's watching over his people. They are his redeemed people. They are what is precious to him. And he is watching over, over, over them and their dwelling places. And it's always a, a precious thing in going. I believe we have proved it in, in many times. The first time you go to another place or a new house, the first time the Lord blesses us there, it's like a seal of his presence, his blessing, though we know this truth, yet to have that, those first blessings, first visits, first sacred sense of his presence is a, is a lovely thing to have. And those tokens that the Lord is in each place and, and is mindful of each place. And I always remember the time that I went to preach to at Luton, Ebenezer, as when Dad was 
unwell and I've been very unwilling to go. I was very, very low, very disheartened and not knowing how to preach. And, and but at last I went and as I pulled up at Ebenezer Luton, turned the car engine off, then the phone rang and my dear one had rung and to tell that my sister had phoned Dad had gone into hospital over in Australia and she'd felt very reluctant to let me know because I was already very low and disheartened and what effect it would have on me. The effect it had was to really lift me up and encourage me because the timing of that phone call was not when I was on the road when I couldn't have answered it, no hands free then, but it was exactly when I'd stopped and it was as if the Lord showed me. He knew where my father was, he knew where I was, he was with him over in Australia and he was with me there in Ebenezer Luton and just the realisation that he knew where we were in those two places, knew where I was and where my ministry was and where it was. It lifted me up. I had a really good day that day, really encouraged and really strengthened. And the Lord knows how he will use various things, sometimes things we never would think to pick us up and to encourage us. Uh, and yet it, it surrounds this realisation wherever we go, that the Lord is with his people. That doesn't mean that we should be careless, prayerless, indifferent and go into places where we cannot expect the Lord's blessing or care. But when we think of Jonah who thinks he's going to run away from the Lord and yet the Lord still is gracious and merciful. He still watches over him, provides him the, the fish, swallows him up, vomits him out on the dry land and uses the experience to make him willing again to go and preach to the Ninevites. The Lord is good to his people. He remembers that we are but dust and when we wander from him, he does bring us back again. But may we remember then, that's from our text here, that the Lord's preservation is not limited to one place. And lastly, the manner or way of preservation. Our text says, Thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. And a bit similar to what we have in Psalm 107, so he bringeth them unto their desired haven, or in this manner and in this way. And really in every one of the lives, the experiences of God's children, their story of their life, we would say in this manner the Lord has brought them through life. All the things that they've gone through, how he's blessed them, how he's brought them into church membership, how he has provided for them. Each one will have a different story, a different account, a different way that the Lord has done that. 
And so here it is, thus the Lord, or in this way the Lord preserved David with us wherever he went. We know from the accounts of David, especially when he was fleeing from King Saul, there were some very remarkable times that the Lord did preserve him. Of course, he preserved him from the lion and from the bear. He preserved him from Goliath, delivered him out of his hand through the stone and the sling and Goliath's own sword. But there was those times that Saul seemed to be so close to David when they were in the wilderness of Maon, there was a mountain there, Saul was on one side and David and his men the other side. And we read that David and his men were hasting, they were running away from Saul, they were very fearful. But then there came a messenger to Saul, the Philistines have invaded the land. And so Saul, he leaves off following David and he goes to fight the Philistines. And the Lord used that way to preserve David from Saul's sword. There was a time that one of the sons of the giant was fighting with David and David was very weary and the giant thought to kill David and the Lord used Abishai to come and deliver him out of the giant's hand. So close sometimes it seemed that he almost was to be slain and then the Lord used some means of delivering him and saving him. And we are to look and watch and notice those means that the Lord uses. How easy it is to pass over them, to not give the Lord the praise and honour and glory. And often it is good to go back when we have been fearful and afraid and then that fear has gone away to bring ourselves back in our minds to when we are fearful and crying and praying to the Lord and think, what if, what if this thing hadn't have happened? What if it was still the same? What situation would I be in then? Sometimes it's simple things. Maybe we've lost something, lost a key or something like that and we cry to the Lord and asked that he'd find it for us and, and then we found it and so easy it is to just go on our way and not think well what happens if we hadn't have found it what if we never had that again uh, and many things like that uh, and it's good for us to, to go back maybe we feared that we'd be ill over a certain time and the Lord's given us health and strength and we just take that for granted, not preserved in health. But if we were to think, well, what if I was sick? What if I was ill over this time? How would that be then? And then in the light of that, to be able to see more clearly the blessing of the Lord. We take many things for granted and pass by the Lord's preserving and keeping. We mentioned about Jacob with Shechem, and he really feared that what they'd done in destroying that uh, town, that city, that all the nations round about would come and fight against him. And he was just a, a, a company of relatively young children and the flocks. But we read that the Lord put the fear 
of God in those nations. They didn't pursue after Jacob and the holy inspired word of God records why they didn't do that. We think later when Esau was coming and Jacob heard of it, 400 men, and he feared. He went before the Lord in prayer. He told the Lord that he feared Esau. He feared for the mother, the children, and he wrestled. He pleaded with the Lord. They wrestled a man with him till the breaking of the day. And Jacob said, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. The Lord appeared for him. And when he saw Esau, he embraced him. The Lord took away the anger, the enmity. And he said, I saw thy face as the face of an angel. How many times have we maybe feared a meeting or feared uh, someone's face or feared the worst and it is turned out completely opposite and we realise the Lord has appeared he has answered prayer he has delivered us from our fears Jacob he, the Lord did that for him Joseph when he went to his brothers some of them they advised to kill him and indeed they did make that out to Jacob but instead there comes by the Israelites and so the idea is thought that they'll sell him instead. And you think how much hung upon that change of plan and change of thought. Now the whole of the preserving of their own lives of Joseph into Egypt and everything hung upon it. The Lord preserved Joseph and then later on when he was tempted with Potiphar's wife he preserved him in a spiritual way. He did not fall. How can I sin and do this evil against the Lord? And how did the Lord preserve him? Put his fear in his heart. And so he fled and he left his garment in her hand. But he ran away from that temptation. There are different ways the Lord watched over Joseph. And again and again we read the Lord was with Joseph. We think with Daniel, when he came into Babylon, one great temptation was all of the king's food and everything that was of worldly nature there. He could have completely left his own faith and his own people, but he didn't. And he wanted just to eat plain food and he served the Lord. And the Lord preserved his spirit. We read an excellent spirit was found in David and the Lord reserved that spirit. It wasn't marred by where he was in Babylon. Now Daniel had no choice as to going to Babylon at all. He was taken as a captive and into a very hostile environment. But in that environment he was kept pure and in the fear of the Lord. And you think then Later on in a physical way, when he is persecuted for continuing to pray to the Lord instead of making supplication to the king, thrown into the lion's den, and in the morning Darius, he cries, Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the mouth of the lions? And the answer that came, what a wonderful answer, that my God has sent his angel and he has stopped the lion's mouths. 
the Lord preserved and kept uh, Daniel in that way. I know we are not in any way to presume. We have a most solemn reminder of that with Satan tempting our Lord, even with the words of the psalm that we read, uh, where we read in Psalm 91 uh, that he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. And Satan said to our Lord, that is written there, therefore cast thyself down from the pinnacle of the temple, the Lord will preserve thee. And the Lord answered him, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And so we mustn't take the preservation or the promise of him and, and abuse him uh, before the Lord. But like with Paul, Paul is able to give a summary when he writes to the uh, Corinthians in his second epistle to them in the 11th chapter. And he gives a summary of those things that uh, he suffered and went in. And he, he says that he was in prisons often, more frequent in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one, Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. And that is the picture of the Apostle in all the journeys that he made and yet the preserving care and keeping of the Lord over him. And it must be a source of praise, of thanksgiving to God when we notice the Lord's preserving care. The end of Psalm 107, Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. So when we have our text, thus the Lord preserved David whithersoever he went. May we be able to translate that to our lives and all the places that we go, and have been that the Lord will preserve us also and that we are to notice how he does that. It doesn't mean that we won't have tribulation. It didn't mean that Paul did not have to go through many of those things. But the Lord we can rely on to preserve us both body and soul, preserve us from those things here below and preserve us unto his eternal kingdom. And these are things we need to seek the Lord for and to commit unto him and to put him in remembrance of that the Lord would grant us these same blessings that we have set before us, his people enjoying that have gone before us. So may the Lord add his blessing. Amen.